Welcome to Breaking Green Ceilings, the podcast that amplifies the diverse voices of those who are committed to protecting and sustainably managing our natural environment. I'm your host, Sapna Mulki. Let's get started. Ravia Noor is an Indigenous healer, activist, storyteller, speaker, ceremonialist, and daughter of the Great Mother. I learned of Rabia through a former guest, Fred Tutman, who is the Patuxent River Keeper, a river within the Chesapeake Bay watershed in Maryland. He's also the only African-American river keeper in the world. Episode four with Fred is one of the most popular on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. Anyways, this episode is about Rabia. So we'll get back to introducing her. So Rabia and Fred work together at the Patuxent River Keeper, where Rabia has co-designed an initiative in partnership called Honoring Our Sacred Waters, which exists to increase awareness of the spiritual connection between people and the water through honoring, ceremony, and education. It's this type of work and more that makes Rabia's voice so valuable in our conversations on the podcast. I wanted to add Rabia's voice to the podcast because it's an important one that amplifies our spiritual connection or the importance of our spiritual connection to Mother Earth. For the most part, we have been raised to see ourselves separate from the environment and that our role is one of controlling and manipulating nature to our own needs. I want us to get away from that harmful way of thinking. During the interview with Rabia, she said something very interesting. She said, Mother will take care of herself, so you don't need to protect her. Just do your part to serve and nurture her. I appreciate this viewpoint because I have been taught to protect the natural environment, to fight for her. But it's an egocentric approach to conservation, not to mention an unhealthy burden that we place on ourselves. Instead, we need to focus on being better stewards of Mother Earth. So in our conversation, we talk about the Earth-based spiritual teachings and how we can implement them to help us become more attuned to our natural surroundings, and also how to listen to the elements of nature, wind, earth, fire, water, to become better stewards of the Earth. We also talked about the over 30 years of activism and education Rabia has participated in at the national and international level to make Indigenous voices heard. I loved this conversation so much. I felt so much at peace by the end of it. And it was just a much needed reminder that we are doing the best we can and Mother Earth will take care of the rest. We'll get started with the first question, which is, how did your experience growing up shape your interest for the natural environment? Well, because I grew up being able to see spirits and seeing things in not just this dimensional field, but others. So I was always aware that there was something else going on besides what most people could see. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother had a beautiful garden with a pond and all kinds of things and just an awesome place. And then we had a beautiful garden. I grew up in Los Angeles in California. Mm. So we had birds of paradise and lily of the valley and roses and all these kinds of things. And being in that kind of environment and being near the ocean and at the ocean quite a bit and just having my senses open to not just the physical, but deeper than that, I Mm -hmm. think it's just something that's always been part of my life. And I've never doubted for a second that there's more things that we ever see or that are available to us. And so my imagination as a child just ran wild because as they say, but I know better, (laughs) you don't really see fairies. You don't really see the the moon doesn't really talk to you. Well, now as an adult, I know that I wasn't crazy. And yes, I wasn't just an imaginative child, but I don't put limits on what creation is either. Yeah, that's beautiful. So As you navigated through this world that doesn't necessarily embrace that element of spirituality and connection with nature, and I think you mentioned that you faced some judgment when you would share with people that the moon talks to you, the trees talk to you. How do you stay true to yourself without letting people's judgment 
around your beliefs impact you? Well, then you kind of just learn to stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunately what I see with people and their children when their children are saying they see things and their parents are like, oh, they got such a great imagination and or no, you don't stop saying new things or they get chastised for saying that something's there, you know, just go to sleep. There's nothing in your room kind of thing or, you know, you don't (laughs) see those things, but aren't they creative? And so children from a very young age start to shut down. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just kind of was like, I just tell stories and they'd be like, oh, she's telling another story. <laughs> and <laughs> so then I think what happens is you start to learn to protect yourself by not talking about it. And yes. then you live in your own world. And then I started going to the library and checking out every book on fairy tales and legends and things. And I lived in that world because it was something familiar to me. Yes. I have a pretty active imagination and my dreams are very vivid and colorful. And I enjoy learning about the spiritual world as well as just about magic and fairies. And I'm not sure why I'm more drawn to that type of stuff. I feel like there's got to be some truth in it, right? And There's absolute truth to it. You're an indigenous healer. And from the very little that I know about like some indigenous cultures is that there's those communities that do believe in like the spirits of nature and that the spirits talk to them and give them guidance. And actually the culture that my family and my ancestors are from, before we were converted to Hinduism, we used to believe in natural spirits and some of our traditions are still very much rooted in speaking to the natural spirits. I do believe that there is something there, even though we can't touch or feel it, or even in some cases deny it. That's true because they're going to make their presence known and they recognize that you see them. So they'll keep coming to you and you obviously have a gift as a spiritual healing or whatever it is, but you have the ability to interact with the spirit world. And that's why your dreams are so vivid. And the fact that you haven't closed yourself off to the fact that these things exist make them more available to you. Mm -hmm. So keep it up. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, with fear comes courage. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, the courage comes with it. it. There are things that over time you learn how to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. There's good and bad in all dimensional fields, all sorts of things we're going to be challenged. So you learn those things that you need to be able to interact and protect yourself and when and know that you're autonomous and can shut these things down. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by your background and your experiences, especially as an Indigenous healer and activist. And part of what you do is that You teach at conferences and gatherings on earth-based spiritual teachings. Tell us a little bit more about what that is and how you get people through your teachings connected to nature. For one thing, I believe that things are birthed from the feminine. That's the creational thing. Women are special in that we have a womb, just like the black holes in space birth planets and whole galaxies and systems. We have the privilege of birthing into these dimensional fields children. And we have a connection to the earth, which is also feminine, and the moon, which is also feminine, and the water. And we have all these things that are in our body that are operating for us and with us. And so getting people to, and especially women, which is my focus, because women went from being the concept of creation and Mm -hmm. birthing and divine and something spiritually and holy to being under people's feet and degraded and used for trafficking, sex and everything else, and just being diminished. When it's become a popular thing where even women call each other bitches and things like that, it's like, We are in a self-destructive pattern. My mandate from Mother is to bring women up out of that. And the first place to start is with nature because the earth is our mother, so to speak. And when we're in that element, when we're in the woods, the trees, or we're standing on the, just with our bare feet on the ground and our hands in the garden and talking to plants and working with things, actually ignites our spirit, I think. And it helps to rejuvenate us. And all kinds of information come because in indigenous cultures, women on their moon, that's in some cultures, that's when the women did the dreaming. That's when they got the messages from spirit for the tribes. 
And that's still true now and just in our own lives. And it's something sacred that we need to come back to. And I think growing plants and nurturing, that's part of it too, is learning how to be patient, how to nurture, mm-hmm. how to sing to things and watch the response of these beings interact with us. It starts to open up the heart center and through the womb for women to become themselves again. Yes. And you do some of that work at the international level. You've been to conferences where you've represented the Indigenous voice. One of the things that I've come across is that the Indigenous voices, either at least at the international level, at the UN level specifically, is it's either limited or it's excluded. Is that your experience? Generally, I think what happens is, and not just the UN, but I think worldwide at in Kyoto and all of these other places. I think I told you that President Evo Morales invited indigenous people. There were 200 from North America, I believe, and I was honored to be part of that delegation. And there were like 20, 30,000 indigenous people in Bolivia that came to Cochabamba for a conference because they were shut out of the Kyoto and the people who hold the land with people in the Amazon that are there struggling and being murdered, trying to keep the trees and the medicine and that most sacred place that we need so we can breathe, where most of the medicine comes from. And they're being picked off and murdered to make way for slash and burn and cattle and all these kinds of things. So very few people can benefit financially. And when it goes to the higher body of the world and they look at indigenous people as sometimes it's like, oh, look at these exotic, colorful people with feathers on and Mm -hmm. face paint and all of this. But they don't take you seriously. They don't take your voice and your connection to the earth and what you're really doing and how you're holding this space against such a tremendous odds seriously. And so if you're not one of these people in the majority in the white population that, and especially male, that is at the privileged level of being able to speak for everything, no matter what the subject is, they're out there in the forefront because they control the media saying, well, this is what this is and that's what this is. And those savages I've heard still being, indigenous people being called savages, women being marginalized and Well, they don't know what they're talking about, but even if they did, it doesn't matter because they're in the way of the money and we want them out of there. And so whatever they're seeing in real time, the destruction on this planet and the voices that are sleeping saying, you got to stop this. It's like money rules the day. And I think that kind of capitalist attitude is what has gotten us away from our spirituality at the end of the day. How do we undo that at a personal level? We work on our own spirits. We involve ourselves more with nature. We do a lot of meditation, prayer, walking out in nature, opening ourselves up to a higher voice and a higher consciousness so that we can reach back with our spirit and to our soul, which is carrying all this information for us, waiting for us to get in there and access it. And we have the helpers, we have trees, we have the water and the rivers and the rain and all these things that are speaking to us that we need to start paying attention to because as we evolve, the problem will get solved. The earth will take care of herself. People are like, oh, we got to save the earth. No, save yourself and then she can do what she's going to do anyway, but you won't be part of the problem. I love when you said that she'll take care of herself because I have to check myself sometimes because this whole rhetoric of we need to save the planet and we need to conserve. It's just like a very, from my perspective, a westernized perspective of we are the ones who should be taking care of nature and not that nature is she is her own and that she'll take care of herself. And we have our own part to play to make sure that we have minimal impact on her well-being. Yes, because she'll heal herself. And I always use the Grand Canyon, which is so awesome as an example. And I tell people, I said, do you think that this just happened overnight? What we're seeing in real time are glaciers melting. We're seeing volcanoes exploding. We're seeing populations being taken off the face of the earth. We're seeing the water table rise where people are going to have to move off of certain islands and places because she is taking care of herself. It's not that humans don't impact this because 
because they do have something to do with it. And that's why I say, let the earth do what she's got to do. She'll write herself because she will survive this, whatever is being thrown at her. And with climate change and all these, she adapts. She adapts herself to it. And so if people are that concerned and really want to do something, take care of yourself. What are you doing that's causing these problems? And raise your vibration so that she doesn't have to work so hard. Yeah. What do you mean by raise your vibration? Well, everything is sounds and tones. And we know that from the scientific aspect as well. You can feel it. You can feel vibrations of things when they're moving, when you put your cell phone on a table and it's on vibrate. But we carry those vibrations with us. Mm -hmm. And so as you are connecting with spirit, as you are in a quiet space and you allow yourself to be able to feel with your other senses, then you can feel those vibrations that are touching you, that you're reacting to. So as you go higher in most ancient traditions and a lot of Buddhist traditions and other things, they talk about vibrating higher and that your vibration that you carry within your body, when you become enlightened, your your vibration has gone to a really high, bright place. Mm -hmm. And so we need to work on that. We need to sit quietly. We need to sit with the earth. We need to really be in tune with what are we resonating with and what are we sending out? And so when we are in a quiet space, our vibration has a chance to resonate more. Mm. When you're in a noisy thing where you've got all this loud music and TV and all these other outside sources, block those vibrations from happening. Thank you for explaining that. One of the things that you've done over time is you've spent a lot of time with leaders and wisdom keepers from other indigenous communities like the Maori and the Mayan, Aztec, etc. What are some of the teachings or experiences that have stood out for you or stuck with you over the past three decades or so that you've been working with these leaders? (laughs) Yeah, it's like summarize 30 years of your life. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, geez, let's see. I think there's a common thread within all of these peoples. It's that they're earth-based, that they are very spiritual, that they have a connection, like say with the Maoris. The Maori elder I met in 1998, the Maoris are water people. They're very connected to water and to the oceans and, and that energy. And so every morning he would go, we were in Virginia Beach and he would go out to the water and he would do his prayers Mm -hmm. and offer that. And that's how his day started. And then we were on the beach doing that and joining us. Some, uh, the word got passed that we were on the beach early in the morning before sunrise to offer these prayers. And some Siberian folks came and other native people showed up. And pretty soon we had more and more people on the beach and everybody was facing and in their own traditional way, greeting the sun and then the dolphins came and they just started leaping in the water and and acknowledging and saying good morning and so everybody (laughs) just went crazy of course and with the Aztecs the same thing Linda Velardes who's a Aztec Kirindera who's a very dear friend of mine they do it through dance and their dances that they do and their honorings and their traditional things that connect them to spirit and to healing and the ceremonies that they do. And that's what every indigenous culture has in common is they're ceremonial people that have a way to acknowledge that there's a creative force out there, something higher, something that is connecting with us and to the earth and to all other peoples and beings that we're all in this together, that we're related to the trees and not just another thing that's out there. Oh, there's a tree. That's your relative. Mm-hmm. Everything that's on this planet is there because creative source put it there. And mother says they all have the same right to be here. Yeah, You don't have the hierarchy that you can do whatever you want and have dispensation to destroy any other thing on this planet because we're all here at her invitation and her blessing. And they all recognize that, each one of these cultures. So being in ceremony, no matter what language you're speaking, it's hard to summarize 30 years in my head spinning like all these different (laughs) things that would take too long because they're all long stories. But the thing is that I would say is to be determined, to be willing to give everything to spirit, to be able to 
recognize that there's a higher source here that is at play, that we have a responsibility to heal ourselves and to reach higher and to be willing to sacrifice everything. If we really believe that we're in service and we want the earth to heal and we want that there, that's why the people in the Amazon, they do what they do in other places and they're being murdered for it, but they don't stop. Yeah. They really don't stop. And that's... Now, you can find that in Guatemala. The Mayans were being killed. We went there and did ceremony for many, many years. And the Mayan priests and priestesses that were coming out and speaking against what was happening on the land and blocking coal mines and gold mines and, you know, just the ravage of the planet were being murdered. Mm-hmm. But then you see huge billboards of them in their traditional colorful dress and welcome to Guatemala, you know? <laughs> well, just appropriate. Yeah, appropriate, and, that, we'll just and you see your, that, yeah. right, exactly. And you see that all over Native Americans in this country. You see billboards in different places and store shops and everything. And, and sports people teams. Are using, right, sports <laughs> teams denigrating something yeah. sacred and, you know, everybody picking sage. And now you've got Ghostbusters waving sage around. Yeah, you got to do this and do that. But do you know how to pick it? Do you know that this is a sacred plant given to these people like tobacco that was misused, like cannabis that can be misused? Mm-hmm. These are medicines. But you don't go to the traditional people for the knowledge of how to respect and how to use it. So sage now is another plant that is being ravaged and people are just, there's a way to pick things and, and not pick too much and to honor it. So those are, I can, I'll go get on my tangent here. <laughs> <laughs> no, say it, speak it. Do the time out thing. <laughs> get, the char- get the cane like they do in vaudeville and pull you off the stage. <laughs> No, no, no. Just we just want you to express what you feel most deeply. And there's no such thing as a tangent on our podcast. <laughs> awesome. Because I said, oh my gosh, she said, and we're gonna do brief statements. And I'm like, that's not in my vocabulary. Okay, let me <laughs> let me work with this. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. And there's so much emotion around, like you were saying, the misuse of sacred and medicinal plants, herbs. And you're so right about the whole sage thing. I've been seeing it more in mainstream media where you have these ladies who are psychics leaning or just more spiritual. And they have like, there's so many images of them lighting up the sage to like ward off the evil spirits. And I'm like, but do you really know what it means? Because in Hinduism, we do something very similar, but we do it in ceremony. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. When you begin something, when you end something, there's a particular process to it. If you aren't like fully immersed in that culture, like willingly immersed in that culture to understand the significance of those actions, it beats the whole point. Well, it becomes just another cool flavor. Yeah, cool (laughs) thing. Flavor of the month. So glad they're over vanilla now, but now they're into lavender and it's like, okay. It was patchouli at one point. Yeah, well, I could, yeah, patchouli wasn't so bad, but oh my goodness, that the vanilla, and I'm allergic to lavender, so it's everywhere. So yeah, it's that whole thing. And then of course, cannabis is the new thing and the edibles and the this and that, but this yeah. was a medicine and is a medicine. And it's a sacred plant that was given to Native people and we recognize that that's what it is. But when it, things become commercialized and they become something taken out of their nature force for recreational things and all of those things, then the plant isn't doing for you what it was intended to yeah. because it takes the people of the blood to know what it is that and that honor and respect those plants and are in a relationship with those plants actually with that and with the tobacco and all of those things that are in every people, like your people in India, they, there's a myriad of things that you all have in your spiritual toolkit, basically, or that yeah. you have all these plants and ceremonies and things that are ancient. And you have a lot of people that come and study there and then they dress in your dress and they propagate these things. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're doing it respectfully. I've had this conversation with other indigenous people and it gets to the point where don't tell me my culture. Don't try to sell me back what's mine. Don't become the voice of who I am or who my 
what was gifted to us. And then you want to, now that you've appropriated all these things, you want to then be the teacher and be the voice of those things for everybody else. And so I have friends that they want to do yoga and they're like, I'm not doing yoga unless I have a teacher from India that's teaching me this. I'm not going to do certain things unless it's from that traditional person has to come from that tradition and that's their knowledge and that's their thing because I want it from the blood, the people of that bloodline. Because there is something I truly believe that only the people of those bloodlines, even if it's that much, there's something inherent that we were gifted with those things. And so there's going to be that little extra something that comes along with it that is gifted to those people through the bloodline. Yeah. And so it's not to say other people can't imitate or do whatever. And I'm not disrespecting people that truly believe in these practices and do that. But I do know that when other people are doing sweat lodges and they're doing all these other things and taking things out of context and it becomes dangerous. And so now I'm going off on another. (laughs) (laughs) No, but these are really good examples in real life that we think are Western culture. I mean, for me, I'll be honest. Until I came to the U.S. and I realized this is for some reason I thought yoga was a Western thing because of the way it was commercialized. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, yoga is a... But I learned later on my own, I was like, oh, it actually comes from India and there are different asanas and all that stuff. But that is also a reflection of how much the colonial culture had influenced me. And even though we did grow up in an Indian household, like how fully Indian really are you? (laughs) Because colonization just changed a lot of that for us. But yeah, I totally resonate with the examples that you're giving. Yeah. And I think people, we talk a lot about traditional things and I don't mean to, well, probably ruffle some feathers, but that's inevitable when you're talking (laughs) to me. But tradition is something that when you repeatedly do something and people accept this as a way of being, and it's proven to be beneficial mostly to people that they will continue to do, Mm -hmm. but not every tradition is a good tradition. And so we need to then self-examine as well around those kinds of things. If it's not for the benefit of people, if it's not for women, if it's not benefiting women, then it needs to be eradicated. And the only way it can be done is if women take control of those things. And even in terms of, we talk about a lot about slavery and we talk about immigrant issues and we talk about all these different things, but we have to self-examine where did we allow these things to take root and then go completely. And I know you're from India, but I got issues about this whole untouchable thing. And until Indians stop that craziness that you have this class caste system where somebody is less than, well, dirt is an honorable thing, but you know, still... (laughs) But that people can be just treated any kind of way, killed, whatever, because somebody else decided that they were more worthy than them and have a higher status. And I believe that just like with the earth and what's going on with her, we have to look at those things too. Those things do impact what's going on on the planet. It's not just climate change and things. It's the whole vibration on this planet of people and what they're doing. And when you allow those lower vibrations to become where this, what's that fool's name that selling off the Amazon rainforest? What's the president of Brazil or whatever? Oh, oh yeah. What's his name? Well, so whatever. The, the, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they who shall remain nameless, so we know who you are. <laughs> all of these things, Trump, all of them, it's just like this whole cabal of these people yeah. that are working against the people And the people sit silently. And in the U.S. too, we've got this maniac in there and all of those people that support him in the Senate and there are all these old white men and whatever. And they are, and some women, and all of these people that bring the vibration on this planet so low. But worse than them bringing it low, it's the complicity of all the people that sit quietly and allow this to go on. When they put children in cages and the mothers around the world and in this country especially did not get planes and mothers, grandmothers, sisters, aunts, 
where were the women? They all came to Washington to do the Million Women March and had a great time. And I went down for this thing and I'm watching everybody's having such a wonderful time and all of this. And then they went to restaurants and they had cocktails and they did all this. (laughs) But where were you when these babies are ripped out of their mother's arms and these children that are being abused and dying still in cages in these awful places? Where are all these mothers that you love your children? You don't think that this is part of what's happening on this planet in terms of it's not just the climate. It's the climate of lack of caring. And that's what I talk about vibrations. This is what's lowered that vibration on this planet to the point where it can just anything goes. So, of course, the earth can be defiled and a Mayan elder, Nana Vilma Cholak Chikol, told me years ago, she said, if you want to know what's going on with the earth, look at what's happening to women. Look at how the mountains are being carved down. And then look at how the rise in breast cancer. Look at how these mining things are digging out mother's innards. And then you have all of these problems with women in their female organs and things like that. Look at what's happening. She said, if you watch what's happening on the violence against women and all these things, is very much connected to what we see play out on the earth. And we don't look at it like that, but that's the truth of the matter. And so when we talk about vibrations, when our vibration has become so low that we cannot go and say, you are not locking these children up, you are not doing these to these women, that women are not standing for each other, then it allows this putrid kind of thing to happen. It's Mm -hmm. a sickness that, we see in all of it's all across the board but you see still in nature this is the awesome thing that the great leveler and it's terrible that people have to die with this virus and people are like and i pray for them and i pray that and i thank them that they are part of being willing to i have to look at it this way that their sacrifice hopefully is going to wake everybody else up Mm -hmm. that this virus came into play because we allowed things to get so far down in, and I'll probably get in trouble for this too, but the vibration again has been so low that things can manifest and it has to, something has to wake us up. Yeah. So now we're in the house and people can't go out and run amok. And so you see that life outside. I'm blessed to stay at the Patuxent Riverkeeper headquarters, Red Tubman. The Riverkeeper is so awesome and letting my daughter and I stay here. So every morning I get the pleasure of going out and being and doing my offering, my prayers right there by the river and listening and watching all these birds. I mean, it's just an awesome amount of birds and watching this beaver make its round 7.30 every morning, go (laughs) swims down. And then around 7.30 at night, he swims back the other way and possums, raccoons, snakes, you name it, everything, deer are out and they're just having the time of their lives because we're not interfering and they are allowed to be themselves. And so I just saw something online too where the dolphins are just, they're watching their behavior because they're just in heaven that people aren't out in their boats and all of this interference with things that disrupt their life cycle and they're like being able to take a breath and so is the earth she's taking a breath and she's like daughters wake up get with the program here do your ceremonies do your prayers you don't have to be religious just be respectful yeah have a plant that you nurture and take care of have a bowl of water that you speak to and you bless it and thank it for nourishing you thank you rain for falling not you're in my way and you're inconvenient Thank you, winds, for blowing out things and clearing things. We have so many helpers, the trees who stand for centuries in the earth and pass the messages and through their roots and their branches and the leaves. And it's just being still enough to connect with those things. I've got more support from being in the woods when I was in places where I was just stressed out and just having the worst time. And I would go into the woods next to where I live and I would say, here I am. Good morning. I love you. Thank you for being and standing here and holding this space and this energy. And I come and I give you a gift and I'll pour some water or do a prayer or whatever. And I pray for them because they're being assaulted by these vines and things that are killing them. And I say, but today I need a little help. Can you help me today? 
And they always do. By the Mm -hmm. time I leave there, I am so rejuvenated. Sometimes you'll look up in the top of a tree and I'll hear rustling and only one little branch will be doing this. Hi, we see you. You know, sometimes they throw things at me. (laughs) (laughs) You got quite a sense of humor, but if everybody could experience that and know that there's more at stake than just us. And I think you answered one of my questions, which is we're environmentalists. We're one of the most depressed group of people. (laughs) And then with COVID, we're even more depressed. And so for me personally, I have been searching more in like the spirituality or the spiritual realm Mm -hmm. to help me get balanced and centered in a way. And my question was going to be, what can we do to connect more with the natural spirits around us to help center us? And what you said was go into the woods if you can, speak to the trees. Or just a potted plant if you don't have woods. Yeah, Yeah, if you live in a city, yeah. Right, but you have generally, even if you live in a city, there's overgrown lots that have so-called weeds in them, but some of those weeds are medicine. And the fact that they're thriving in such a harsh place, stand there for a minute and look. Be observant, be in with them at the moment and say, you know, there's all this trash and garbage and rusted whatever thrown into that lot, but you still have plants that are thriving and living in that environment. And so if we stand back and we take a look and say, what's the larger message I can get from this? Yeah, And it is, we can thrive and we can overcome anything. And even after a fire, when you see a forest or, or something is burned down, there's always that little green plant that starts coming back. And you yeah. see that no matter how much adversity these parts of nature face, there's always life that regenerates itself. So whatever we're facing, if we looked at that as a metaphor that I can get through this too. Look what they're overcoming. Mm -hmm. And so if they can do it under these circumstances, I can do it too. And I have help. And I have help in that I can go and put my feet on the earth and receive the same nourishment and the same holding of space and energy, but always be grateful. That's the one thing we tend to take, 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 but we are not as much in gratitude as we need to be. And so we need to be thanking all parts of nature. And then there's the other part of that is our ancestors. Look back in your family Mm -hmm. line. Yeah. People say, well, I don't know my grandparents. I don't know much about my family history, but they know you. So this is the thing. So when you go into those spaces of quietness and stillness and you say, I ask in light, for my family to come forward and interact with me. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen instantaneously that day, but when you practice opening yourself up to them and acknowledge they're watching, they're waiting and, and would love for us to connect with them. I did a workshop with some women on the divine feminine, and we talked about a lot of things. And before I go to anything, I get these downloads from spirit and mother says, okay, well, tell this one this, tell her my daughter that, tell this one that. And so one lady, I looked at her and I said, boy, you like to cook, don't you? And she said, how did you know that? Yes, I do. I said, I got the inside tip on that one. I said, (laughs) and I also was told to tell you that you like to cook for a lot of people, but you have generations of women in your family that love to cook too. And she was astounded. She's like, how did you know? I said, because they're all standing there telling me this. And I said, and they're showing me that when you're in the kitchen and you're cooking things, some of them are arguing, well, when I made that, I made, I put this in there. Another one's like, yeah, but my recipe for this. And then they're whispering in your ear. And I said, do you ever feel the impulse to just take a certain thing that you've never done before and add that to the mix or to do something different and, or be inspired to, you go in the kitchen and say, oh, what am I going to cook? And, and then all of a sudden it comes to you, oh, make this. They're guiding you. And they're like, all excited to be in there with you in this this thing. So we need to also respect that, that we have ancestors, some good, some not so good, but we need to respect that they're always there to help. And we have spirit guides that help us and always to thank and acknowledge them. You don't have to know who they are because as I said, they know if you open yourself to them, they would love that and come to help. And Native tribes, I've experienced many ceremonies with like an Alaskan tribe, we did spirit raven fires 
And so these were fires that burned for 72 hours and people took shifts sitting Mm -hmm. at the fire doing the prayers and things. And then we, at a certain point, we were told, bring the favorite foods that somebody in your family loved because they're sitting at the table and they want to enjoy it. And and when people don't do that, and this is a tradition in many traditions that you feed the ancestors in Asian cultures and Indian cultures and in Native American cultures, you make a spirit plate and you put some of everything that you, and you put it out. And it's interesting when you do those things and you adopt those behaviors, how much wisdom, how much memory comes back to you about things that you can do to help elevate yourself and wonderful things. They'll guide you when they say people get songs and they these people that create these movies like Star Trek and Star Wars and all of these things and the Beatles, you know, John Lennon said when, you know, all of a sudden he'd get a song and he'd hear it in his head and write it on a napkin or whatever, matchbook cover, whatever. They're always talking to you and we come in fully loaded. So we need to, other thing I want to say, nurture your children like you do plants. Mm. Nurture, make them your garden. Stop telling these children that they don't see what they see because they're the closest to spirit when they're little like that. And they are so connected that you need to sit at their feet and listen to them. And no has become, yeah, for safety reasons, you can say, no, you, instead of hitting their hand and saying, no, don't touch that, you're going to get burned. Say, this is fire. Feel back like this. You feel the heat from this. This will hurt you. So you don't want to put your hand there. You don't slap them because then that's how you crush a child's spirit. Yeah. And so that's the other thing. I think we, our children need to thrive just like plants need to thrive. And we need to nurture and care for them and raise them. And they're all beautiful. Never limit a child and say, oh, this plant's prettier. I like these flowers better at all. You know, those kind of things, because each one has its own innate beauty and gift. And that child could come in to save your life. Yeah. Might be the next genius creator of something. Yes. You never know. You never uh, know. One thing that my father told me is that as parents, we're only your guardians. We're not here to be like the typical or definition of a parent, but we help guide you through this world and give you the tools that you need. And once you're off on your own, you decide how you want to live that life. And I think that was a really healthy way of parenting where you're not trying to control or anything of that sort. Yeah, my way or no way. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. because they, as I said, children know a lot more than we do. And they come in with all sorts of wisdom because a lot of them are returning spirits. Some of them are very old spirits that are coming back for a certain purpose and jobs. Yeah. So you safeguard them as much. I know I made a lot of mistakes with my kids. And if you ever sat with them, they could give you a shopping list. But yeah. you know, you do the best you can because the yeah. first time you become a parent, you're learning too. It's a what can yeah. you do, right? You're also trying to undo some of the things in how you were raised, right? And we're human beings and We make mistakes, but as long as we know that we can learn from those mistakes. One of the things that we haven't talked about is how we got connected, which was through Fred Tutman. And he recommended that I reach out to you. And I thought that you have such a unique role to play at the Patuxent River Keeper. I don't know of any other environmental organizations that have a dedicated sort of spiritual leader who helps the community get connected to the spirits of of nature and that's kind of embedded into the mission of the organization. Could you tell us a little bit about how you work with the Patuxent River Keeper and the community to to deepen that connection with nature? It wouldn't be possible if he wasn't spiritual himself. And he has a strong connection to the land and his love for the land and the river made it very easy because he understands on a level that most of them do not. And being the only African-American river keeper, which I'd love to say over and over and over, (laughs) there's a certain thing within his genetic makeup that allows him to I guess, to grasp more because he lives on a farm and he's always in nature. So his hands are in the earth there. Then he's at the river and he has such a strong, loving connection to this river. So it's a natural fit for him. 
So then inviting me in and, okay, so four years ago, during the, around the climate march time, mother gave me this vision to do ceremonies at the rivers. And so mm-hmm. I came to Fred and I said, this is my vision. This is what I'm supposed to do. I would love to do ceremony. I'm going to bring other indigenous people. My friend, Carol Henry Alexander, who's an art visual, she's an artist. She helped create signs for the climate march, but around nature, around connecting. So we came to the Patuxent and we had people come and sit out on the lawn and create these signs that were nature inspired mm-hmm. to take there. We did prayer around it and ceremony around all of these things because that's how you empower your spiritual implements and in yourself. So we all came together to do these things. And so doing all of these ceremonies and in bringing in I, my friend Linda, who's Aztec here and there, I mentioned her before, and Penny Gamble's William, she's Wampanoag, and she was the chief, and now she's the spiritual leader of the Wampanoags. And a whole bunch of other people. There were many, many people. My daughter, Aisa, who has her own thing with youth and doing ceremony and spiritual connection. We came together of one spirit, not just of one mind. We understood what they were talking about, but we understood even more that without the spiritual underpinning, this is why people get burnt out. This is why people are in the streets railing. And so at the Climate March, other Native people came and did a water ceremony and the tribe showed up and there were many, many delegations that came and it was awesome because they brought that power of their tribes and there and it was with them and their connection to the earth. So with Fred, I said, how about we do these ceremonies at the Patuxent? We open them up and we have a part of Patuxent water keeper that reflects your spiritual side. And so we created honoring our sacred waters. Mm-hmm. And that is under, that's the spiritual wing of the Patuxent River Keeper. And we do ceremony through there. And so we do solstice and equinox, but we do full moon ceremonies. And we invite people to come and come to the river and to give respect to the river and ask for the river's healing, but also their own. And, and to walk the land around the river and to mm-hmm. be able to do ceremony. And we have people that are adept at identifying medicinals. And so they come and they teach about that. And we've had just all sorts of people that are like-minded, that love this river, love the water, love Fred, because he gets it. Out of everybody else, I'm sure there might be other people, but I don't know them, so I can only uplift Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the least funded, and that's the other thing that I want to say, is that the people that are doing this work, when you work in spirit, with spirit, and a spiritual cause, the larger people that control the environmental conversation and the funding and all that, they don't get it. They aren't willing to invest in those things. This is the first place that should be getting some of those big grants and funds to help this thing thrive and to get it to a place where not just the Patuxent, but all the other rivers are having ceremony and are respecting that water that you are protecting, then how come you don't have a spiritual connection to that water? How come you're not doing the ceremonies? How come Mm -hmm. you aren't inviting other people to do that? And there are people in the African traditional community that do ceremony on the Anacostia once a year. And then there are people that do ceremony all the time. There were many of the people that come here to the Patuxent are hungry to find a way to connect with nature, to give it back the respect that it needs and to be able to do. And they say, this is the only place that we know that we can come to these ceremonies and be connected. So I want to encourage people to support the Patuxent River Keeper, the Patuxent River, because we need this to grow. And as the river flows, and I watch the river, and I'm always like, Fred, sending him texts and pictures and videos. Look what happened this morning. Look, the river's like this right now. But look, now she's doing this. She's doing that. And I'm like, Mother, what are you doing here? (laughs) And it's just awesome how her teaching and the way that she flows and the way she interacts with the land and the fish in her and all these different things. Like one time I was like, Fred, come here. You know, look at this. The river's pulled herself in. 
And so all of this shoreline, this was the first time I had seen her do this. And the shoreline was so all this grass and mud flats and things were exposed. And, and it was really phenomenal to me. And I'm like, okay, what's she saying? What's going on here? Why is she doing this? And he says, well, the scientific thing is that this, he said, but she's doing what she needs to do. And so then I hear in my spirit is, this is a lesson for you too. And I said, okay. And she said, right now, you're all out there. You're all over here. You're there. You're doing this. You're doing that. She said, pull yourself in like I do. Mm-hmm. Pull yourself into the core of yourself so that you can concentrate your effort here. And then once you get that, then you can, she said, I'll expand and I'll flow out again. But right now I'm in. And yeah. I thought, okay, got it. Yeah. So just pull yourself in. Yeah, but- Stop worrying about all this extraneous stuff when you're yeah. not taking care of the most important thing that you are here yeah. to do yourself. Yeah. So once you pull yourself in, and you start to honor your spirit and your soul's work and say, okay, I'm going to just stop all this other stuff and deal with myself right now, which is the hardest thing to do. It really is. But it's such a good reminder of times when you feel like you're stuck and you feel like you don't have answers. But like you said, the answers are around you. You just have to to look, you just have to listen. And that was you observing the Patuxent River pull in was a message to you that you needed to center yourself. And I think that was the river speaking to you, but it was also the river giving you an answer for any tumultuous or stressful time that you had been experiencing at that moment in your life. I'm a big believer in the answers are around you. You just have to be very observant. And when you want help, and there are moments in my life where I've experienced somebody coming to my rescue without me asking for it, or when I know that I've been in a time of trouble, but it's like when the doorbell rings and you're like, oh, you're not what I was expecting, but you're what I needed to help me get out of this fix. Yes. And for me, it's just like, wow, it's kind of, it's like kismet, what we call it in, in Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. It just was meant to be mm-hmm. in a way. Absolutely. And I feel like that's with nature as well, is a part of that kismet. I've had such a good conversation, like a very fun conversation with you. I feel like I don't have enough of these. And like you were saying, I think we, with the mainstream culture, Even like in the Hindu culture, I feel like we're careful not to share some of these like spiritual out-of-body experiences because you don't want to be pariahed. But I think we need to stop like having a taboo around conversations like this because it's essentially who we are. It's we're going back to our ancestors' ways. And I hope that our conversation here would help other listeners and other environmentalists to start tapping more into that spiritual side, because that's what will center us. That's what will create more solidarity amongst ourselves at the end of the day. And hopefully more respect and more, I was thinking about how when people use the question you said when people are stressed or whatever I always remember another lesson from the river and water itself because water is a living thriving entity Mm -hmm. and we are mostly water and so I always uplift Dr. Emoto who people can look up and he did this whole thing about when you speak loving words to water and look under a microscope at it they're beautiful shining like snowflake crystal-y cells but when you speak harshly and say nasty things to it then it becomes all misshapen and all of those kinds of things and so we need to think about how we talk to other people and all Mm -hmm. and also watch how with the river when it's raining today i was out on the wharf about six o'clock this morning (laughs) and it was raining and the river was moving pretty fast and i was thinking about how when what you need, the river never stops. It, she changes all the time. Water never stops, not just the river or the oceans. It's rain and how 
that's so important when we do our prayers because when we offer those prayers and we pour water back, clean water back into the river and with our prayers in it, and then the river and then the wind comes and pushes the water along and takes those prayers is now embedded into every cell of that mm-hmm. river. And then the rain comes because it's pulled the water up into the sky and takes it somewhere else and drops those prayers in another place. And then it goes into the ground and it runs in there and it becomes embodied into the earth, into the plants. And it goes into the cyclical thing where, and then someday it may return to you with somebody else's prayers and be showered. So when people don't bless the rain, I'm like, you must be crazy. You're getting showered with prayers you're giving. And then when it's, there's a drought, you're like, ah, I need water. When you tell it, go away, right? But seriously, it's just know that, that everything is interrelated. So as respectful as you are to anything and anybody else, value somebody else's life as much as you value yours. Value their children. And when I say children, I'm not just talking about human. I'm talking about every being on this planet. Value their children as well. Thank you for sharing that. So we're reaching the end of our conversation here. I'm going into our lightning round. Yes, we will. (laughs) So I have a series of four questions, and whatever comes first to your mind, Mm -hmm. answer it. So the first question here is: What have you read, heard, or watched lately that has influenced you the most? Watched the river. Watched Green Frontiers on Netflix, which is a very empowering and very Mm -hmm. everybody needs to see that. And also fast colors on, I don't know what it's playing on right now, but it speaks to the women in power and power through family lines and magic. And yeah, so I won't tell you what it is, but you need to go see, you need to watch fast colors, green frontiers and go out and watch nature. Yes. What's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your work? Prayer. Prayer. Being in spirit, talking to mother all day long, getting up and doing my prayers and just talking to her. My prayers are not so much formal prayers in terms of, I just talk to her and I'm like, okay, mom, it's me. I'm up another day, you know, Mm -hmm. and thank you. And I thank her for everything, for having a sense of humor and creating for everything. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that, again, my belief is unlimited. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Be yourself. What is your superpower? The fact that I have no limit to what I believe in. And so, and I believe in magic. I believe in alchemy. I believe in the fact that the cosmos is constantly birthing. And so am I, and that I have the ability to create all of these fantastic things. And there's no limit to it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I don't need a wand. No, you don't. Or a robe. <laughs> right, or a robe. I just believe and I know that there's no limit to what that yeah. mother has created. So That's I'm amazing. all in. <laughs> cool. Well, how can people follow you on your journey? Well, they can go on to my website, which is springoflight.me, facebook.com slash springoflight. Instagram is springoflight30. And then on Facebook, I also have facebook.com slash honoring our sacred waters and Instagram at honor sacred waters DC. Fantastic. And we'll include links to all of those in our show notes. All right. And then finally, is there anything you'd like to add before we leave? Yes, that don't beat yourself up. Do the best you can every day. Always try to do better. And when you don't feel like you measured up or some days you just don't feel like doing anything that's okay too just be who you are at the best that you can and respect and love others and then you're on the path of healing not just yourself but the earth as well that's very nice thank you so much for sharing those beautiful last words so thank you again for your time and thank you i hope we can continue this conversation in the future Hey all, thanks for listening to Breaking Green Ceilings. If you'd like to hear more episodes with change-making environmentalists, head on over to watersavvysolutions.com backslash podcast. You can find me online on Instagram and Twitter 
And as always, if you love the show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like on iTunes. You can also sign up for my newsletter to find out when new episodes are available. And please do share the podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and whoever you think will be inspired by the wisdom of our changemakers. I always welcome feedback, so please do feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is also on watersavvysolutions.com. Until next time, keep breaking through those green ceilings.